Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. What up, guys? Happy and ladies. What is it? Merry Christmas. Is it Happy Holy Days? I think this is going to come out on it is uh, Saturday. Is is happy be... New Happy uh, Happy Christmas. Eve of Christmas Eve. Yeah. <laughs> we had a good good weekend, Mr. Breedwell. Yeah. Well, what did we do this week? I mean, you had we a had really a, good week, but we I got to participate a lot in some of, fun of the fun stuff. Yeah. Um uh, we had a little end of the year um gathering in restaurant in Sacramento and to where Marie and I had our first date, why we named our daughter Ella. Ella Bar, dining room and bar. It's amazing food in Sacramento. And Breedwell brought like an infant child-sized wine bottle. It was more like a four-year-old For child. real. It was like as big as Evie. It was big. It weighed maybe more than Evie. It probably did. Um, it was like was it? half six the liters. size of your wife. Yeah, it was six liters. I think it was and we, eight, uh, bo- eight bottles in there. Yep. And I think what do we have? 14, 15 decanters, and we were just looking at that like, there's no way we're going to do wow. this. Wow. So I was like, oh, let's go give it to the servers, give it to the kitchen. And they're like, we can have like one glass for the chef. He says, thank you. I was like, oh. But uh, we all powered through. We, we powered through. We right. killed that bottle and we signed it and it's sitting at my uh What'd you call it now? Uh, it's like PTS. A, oh, Purple Tea Syndrome. Yeah. We, all, we all had a little bit of Purple yeah. Tea Syndrome after uh, that dinner. Thank Big you, man. Laughs. That was that was great, dude. It was dude. fun. It was you know, really it was fun. cool. I want to give this guy some acknowledgement because um, he doesn't toot his own horn very often. Um, one, you have one of the biggest hearts. Marie and I were talking about this the other day. Like, your love language for sure is gift giving. Like, you love to give people gifts and take care oh, of yeah, people. And care. you're one of the most hospitable people I know, but you do it with, like, true, like genuine, you just care about people. Um, and it was cool sitting around this table, you know, was uh, a bunch of people that Ryan has worked with, does business with, 
um, and to see you acknowledge them for all of the work and all of the you know value that they've brought to your world to mm-hmm. be able to do what you do. Um, it's just a great sign of a leader when you know somebody is emotionally aware enough to stop, pause, you know, give uh, credit and acknowledgement, you know, to their team. And um, you're just you're you're a good dude, brother. I'm I'm grateful to right be in business you. with you. And uh, that was one of the reasons, you know, Ryan and I, I think, align on a lot of different things is we want to make a shitload of money, mm-hmm. but not at the expense of our core values of morals, of integrity, of ethics, of doing the right thing. And, Correct. you know, in the, in the real estate and financial world, mm. you don't, it, it's a small, I won't say they're, they're not out there because there's always good people in every industry, but there there's are. oftentimes, you know the stigmas of the industry that you might be in bad investors, bad realtors, bad brokers, bad, you know, advisors, wealth yeah. managers. Yep. There's always going to be bad apples in every industry. You just yes, got to identify and align and find the right people and man, I'm grateful that uh I got my money with you because this year has been a damn good year. Has been been a rough few uh few last couple weeks. weeks, but you know, it's just it's kind of part of investing, guys. You got to be a uh, boxer's mentality is a good idea to have because when the boxer steps into a ring to go to a fight that they are sure that they're going to win, they'll also tell you they're going to get knocked along the way. And knowing that you're going to get hit and knowing that you're going to have to hit, take those punches and roll with them, uh, for my example here, it's just part of investing. And the people that are, mo- are uh, successful long term are the people that roll with those punches, make actionable uh, decisions during those times. And again, make that plan, stick with that plan and stay proactive on that plan. Well, that's why you have, it's kind of like if you, if we're sticking with the analogy of a boxer, right. And you're talking about your, your wealth journey, whether it's in real estate, whether it's in your business, whether it's in the financial markets, like every great athlete has a coach. Floyd Mayweather had a coach. Canelo has a coach. Michael Jordan had a coach, Co- right? They all yep. have coaches because yep. you craft a plan, you build your skills, you train to execute on the plan. And when you're in the ring, when you're in the game, when shit ain't going your way, you still have to follow the plan and or pivot, adapt, re-strategize. And sometimes when you're in you know, the driver's seat or when you're in the frame, it's hard to see the overall picture, right? Yeah. And so that's why I think it's so important to have the right people around you. You know, people always ask me like, man, you've done pretty well for yourself at, you know, 33 years old. And I'm like, well, one, I don't feel like I've even gotten started, but two, really it has nothing to do with me. It's got to do with all the smart people that I've just been fortunate enough to surround myself with. I can be honest with myself that I can check my ego at the door and say, I don't know it all. And so I got to surround myself with the right people who can help me, you know, put the right plan in place based on what goals I'm trying to achieve. And that's, I think, for anybody, right? Whether you're 60 years old and you're trying to live to 90 and, you know, make the next 30 years as abundant as possible, or whether you're 25 and you're just getting started, like there's a plan for every season and stage of life based on what you're looking to accomplish. You just got to be willing to Except that, hey, maybe there's other people that I could get resources, information, counsel from that could help me accelerate this plan, avoid mistakes that I'm probably going to make on my own that maybe has already gone down this path. And that's been something that really I've subscribed to my entire investing and really just entrepreneurial journey because it has helped me accelerate getting to where I want to go, knowing that I just don't know it all. Yeah. And like something I always keep in mind too 
a lot of stuff sounds really good in between your ears when you think about it, especially yourself. Oh, sure yeah. MJ would tell you and all the greats would tell you, I myself, and you have to, when you get, you have to be in, in counsel with people that when you get those ideas outside, they look at them from a perspective that you look at them from. Yeah, they don't got and, the rose-colored glasses on for everything. No. I think confidence is a good thing when mm-hmm. you're leaning towards ambitious goals, but also, right, like you said, you know, guided counsel is going to be critical to helping you get a little too in front of your yeah. skis. And so that's what we love to talk about here on the show, guys, is to give you guys different perspectives, different resources, different updates in terms of world news in case you missed it financial market headlines, crypto, um, real estate. Of course, we like to always talk about some fringe investments and opportunities as well as those come up. With that being said, we've got some, uh, some big headlines, at least over the course of the last week with the infrastructure, yeah, build infrastructure back better bill. plan, Yeah, really sure. hit a big snag this weekend that Democrats are not happy about. I think Republicans are happy about it, but I don't know. we're going to talk about this is, yeah, I mean, this is something that really impacts the overall economy. I, I kind of just want, I'm, I mean, I'm... So what the headline being that um, this last week, Joe Manchin uh, is basically opposing the Build Back, multi-trillion dollar Build Back Better Act, uh, which is effectively killing, or at least what this bill looks like today, right now, it's dead. It's yeah. going to have to get retooled. Yeah, but I also... The White House said that he brought a version of the bill that both of them said they were agreeable to. So for some reason, I feel like he is trying to get something else and is just going to say, I'm going to do this. No, I can get it if I do this. Because the White House is saying we're hoping that he can change his decision again and stick to his word. You know, kind of just yeah. really. He, he had dinner with Biden in October. Sounded like. They were all on the same page. And then really, he's been kind of out there saying stuff's got to change, but it looked like it was going to go through, um, which obviously many people, many big, you know, at least from Wall Street side of the street was saying this was going to be something that's very good for the economy. I think it, yeah, yeah. And it's it, now the, they're the, saying that him going against it actually really could hurt the economy. What, what does that mean from the kind of a financial perspective? Well, a lot of people have, because that was, to, to your point, kind of put out that it was kind of done. They were coming to terms. They were being amicable, this and that. Um, that people have kind of made decisions with that in the, in the foreground saying, hey, I'm, there's going to be this, you know, build back better, you know, thing, which is going to have, you know, have some inflationary pressures and is going to do the things that the Republicans that um, are saying, but ultimately it's also going to cause a lot of jobs. Those people are going to make money. They're going to spend money and it's going to also uh, drive a lot of investment towards things that do well for America, which is industrialization. Um, that's a really big thing. Our infrastructure is also pretty waning around the United States. And I would, I would argue that we do need to have some infrastructure done a long time coming. The, Mansion is kind of the reason that it's such a big deal is because the I think the House is literally split, so they need a hundred percent of the Democrats' votes in order to get it to yeah yeah. So his one vote is so pivotal, and he's more of an independent, left-leaning independent than a Democrat. 
I think he's registered as a Democrat. I don't remember. Yeah, he is. Um, West Virginia. I think that's what you have to do nowadays. Yeah. You have to claim one side or the other. Yeah. Um, so anyway, my opinion is I think that it should get passed at this point. Um, is there a lot of stuff in there that I don't like? 100%. But like with anything, like it's never going to be exactly what you want. You know, only thing that comes out that way is my grilled cheese. <laughs> you know, it's, only simple things can be 100% the way you want. You can't get all that. You can't get a $1 trillion deal and, and not have some some greasing of some uh, some hands and, and stuff going on there. That being said, um, doing it towards the end of the year and when the economy is kind of in a fragile state right now, not my favorite. Um, I think that there could have been a more tactful way to get things done. But in my opinion, I think it's just maybe politics. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he reneged and then signed and then got the bill pushed through and just kind of dragged his feet to show that he could or, or to get something that he's trying to get. But I'm just purely speaking from opinion right now. I have no idea. It's just all opinion. Well, speaking on politics and how policy and, you know, the government obviously has shown to have a significant impact over the economy as a whole with lockdowns and mandates mm-hmm. and, and things along those lines. Uh, this last, well, this was actually last night on the whitehouse.gov website. Oh, yeah. We are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing and we will get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. We've seen in places like California put mass mandates back in, Oregon, a lot of very left-leaning blue states go back to almost, you know, very early extremes in the pandemic. With obviously more data, more, you know, you know real say, time experience that people can kind of base their decision making on. There's not a lot of enforcement of it this time. Well, we live in a little bit of a bubble. Well, I mean, even in, you know, Ella. Yeah. It was pretty loosey goosey. It was. There was a lot of people not wearing masks at all. Yep. And I will tell you, I've gone into multiple places. I went to the mall in Roseville. You know, the mall isn't yep. about, they didn't do a thing. Yeah. I went to Nugget. They didn't do a thing. Shocking. I'll give you my biggest nugget. Yeah, they, they, they've stopped you and I before. Yeah, they kicked me out. Yeah. Before. They've asked, I didn't get kicked out. I just was like, <laughs> um, but I'm like, I'm out of here. Yeah. The, uh, they, they didn't stop. So I think that it's a little bit different this time around. They're definitely running with Omicron right now. I mean, they're oh, running with it. But no doubt. this last week, Southwest, it was either Southwest and Delta or Southwest and Spirit, one of, um, all the executives, big you know, CEOs, they're, they're said, like saying we don't need ma- fucking masks. They're like, we've got. I mean, they if, if you want to talk about small, you a lot of people in small, tight spaces. We've got a lot of data now on that, and the delta in terms of you know spiking in cases, we we haven't seen any of that. So like masks aren't really doing anything. People are still the normal amount of people are still getting sick from airplanes and remaining healthy from airplanes like it's not like it's some anomaly of what's happening on airplanes so they came out and talked about it this last week which i thought was interesting but yeah Yeah. i mean i think and the people some of the airlines are abdicating i mean delta's ceo is uh definitely not not liberal yeah uh 
Yeah, he's so on he, the other side. He's definitely more left leaning, but it's good to see that it's. I think everybody's starting to wake up a little bit to it. There's a lot of data now, and it's really hard. The one reason I love my job so much is because numbers cannot lie. Yep, and data cannot lie. It's ultimately it's just black and white. The the issue that I find though is that I agree with that 100. percent People like you and I. And many of our listeners, right, they're going to go and they're going to look at headlines, but then they're going to go, okay, what does the data say about this, right? Whether this is to your stocks and your investment portfolio, whether Mm -hmm. this is tied to real estate investments, whether this is tied to an Omicron, you know, outbreak, most of us critically thinking are going to go, let me check into this a little bit more and see what, you know, other resources, other data sets are telling me outside of what I'm just reading from either a far left or a far right leaning media outlet, right? And so I think that's something that is very, very important. I mean, it's funny, right? Facebook this last week just admitted that their fact checkers were all based on those fact checkers' opinions. There was no no actual data, right? And so I think in a time like right now, very important to be a critical thinker. But if anything... I think this has been, some, at least silver lining-wise, such a great thing on so many levels to see big media, you know, big tech start to really get exposed and people starting to wake up to at least seeking the truth. Now, what the truth is, all subjective, right? Depending on what argument yes. and narrative you want to find to support it. But I think, if anything, hopefully it's making us be more aware that in the worlds that we play in that are heavily influenced through digital and social, now more than ever, you have to be more and more vigilant. And you also have more and more access, right? Like back in the day, you read a newspaper headline and that, that was law. Oh, Versus yeah. like now you actually can go and well, research somebody and find more information. Smoke your ass if you lied. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the that's the biggest difference. By the way, did you, you know, shout out to my Yellowstone watchers. The uh, little preview of 1883. Oh. They did business back in the day, man. Hey, you know, you're messing with my daughter, blap, kill you. Yeah, peace. Say oh, you, you lied to me, blap, kill you. Yep. And nobody even cares. That is the good old, that's the good way. Yeah. You know, Marie and I were talking about this. We live in a world that has gotten so easy and so soft. And hopefully this experience, I'm very curious to see, let's say in a decade, in hindsight, we look back on, you know, let's say 2020 in 2030. And how things kind of played out. Hopefully this hardens some people up. Hopefully it wakes people up. Hopefully it gets you. I am you... not hopeful. Yeah. I've seen I... the generations before. <sighs> they just are. They suck, dude. I mean, like, honestly, man. The, the biggest group of keyboard warriors I've ever. Yeah. We've never ever... seen anything like and it. For sure. so soft. I mean, like, I was looking at this one guy at the game. First of all, ladies, step your standards up. My Lord. This dude looked like he fell off the nerd train and over here just like, you know, you know, look, looking like the softest. Looks Urkel. Like a, yeah. And he he's just talking crap to this this chick and she's take. I'm like, who is this kid? And he's just sitting there on his phone. Right. I'm like, oh, my gosh, but that's the generation. They're, they're just rude. It's, it's different. It's different. And I saw, man, y'all, they make me sound like an old fart. You do I'm sound not like an old, old fart. fart. I'm just annoyed that you're. I mean, there's just basic principles like don't be an asshole to people, be respectful to people, work for stuff. I mean, I saw that funny meme. I think I sent it to you where it was like, you, you know, 
millennials and up how they work. Oh yeah. Hey, you know, give me a 40 hour work week. I want good pay, good benefits. And I'll, I'll work here for at least five to 10 years or until I retire. And they have like millennial, you know, Gen Z and all this. Yeah. Stuff. Like after and a they're year, like, they're I have depressed and I'm depressed. I have anxiety. I can't deal with any of life's hardness. And yep. it's just complain, complain, complain. So I won't go anymore, but yeah, that that's really a big issue. I mean, well, huge issue. I mean, I think in, in terms of, and this is something for all of our listeners that are thinking about an entrepreneurial endeavor. One of the things that I actually have been very surprised by, this has not only been, you know, the year of the resignation, it's also been the year of the startup. Data shows that about 1.4 million new businesses registered with the U.S. government as of September 30th, which set an annual all-time record. The number suggests more new businesses formed in 2021 than in any year ever, 2020 set the existing record of 1.14. Record numbers of people left their jobs this year, and many began working independently. Others were laid off in 2020 and knew, uh, needed new ways to earn income. So startups have also had easier access to cash, right, equity yeah. in the market than ever before at low interest rates and record venture spending. Yeah, so lots of I think obviously the you know in any. any circumstance of, of challenge of chaos of hitting a valley oftentimes it's usually the the you know birthing ground of new opportunity and a launching pad for some new innovation as well mm-hmm. yeah no i the there's so many industries that have taken off um due to especially like online retailers think about a lot of the stuff that you didn't used to do so digital that's now all digital um all remote um that's that's huge and so there's been a lot of you know new marketplaces open due to that um especially with uh you know the guru-ness that is out there of people i mean coaching and all this other stuff there's a lot of that and a lot of people have to open up you know individual businesses for that stuff so um i'm excited to see how much of those stick and what areas they're the most stickiest in um and time will tell on that one I just think that it's great, though, that last year, one of the other metrics that I think is good is how many more people are participating in investing, whether it be in real estate or stocks yep. or being more open to alternatives. I think that that's another positive is people finally had nothing else to do and they had some money to play with and they learned for better or for worse how the stock market works. And that's cool. Yeah. I mean, more people, I think, probably than ever have been brought into the fold of investing Mm -hmm. being that whether it's helicopter money that gave them that opportunity, right. Or it was social media, you know, some random influencer pumping a crypto coin or somebody actually talking about, you know, AMC or GME or whatever it is, right. More and more people, it got retail investors into the game. And if anything, I think that is a positive, net positive overall in the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah, and both real estate and equities had a good year in, in different ways, shapes, and forms. So both of them in tandem got popular. I would say you have just as many people as excited about investing in stocks as you do looking to get into real estate. Because the, what really ultimately people found out is you can stay at home still, kind of still live this lifestyle and make money. Yeah. They want that stimmy check life, but they want it in their mailbox every month. Uh-huh. That's so. real. Mr. Elon Musk has been in the news the last couple of weeks yeah. getting uh, attacked 
from a lot of different, you know, angles. Uh, One in particular, Miss Elizabeth Warren talking about him not paying his fair share of taxes. I always think it's funny. Like they literally just pull some of these random things out of thin air. Their ass, basically. Well, because senators aren't used to reading shit before they sign it. (laughs) That's real. They just sign stuff. Senator Warren is is an absolute jackass and a hypocrite. Well, and she's somebody worth completely, 20, and she's worth 20 mil. Well, and she completely lied about her. She tried to do the the doxing thing where she's you know like that one lady like, "Oh, I'm I'm African American, I'm black," and she wasn't. And then now that, you know, Senator Warren, oh, I'm 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 American Indian and this and that and she's not. And in fact, she I don't believe she can she lost a privilege that she was trying to obtain because they found out that she was essentially being fake. Um, so she's she's just she's one of the lost voices that's kind of just in an echo chamber stuck, and she'll be here for as long as she'll be here, like Nancy Pelosi. But what a baseless idiot! Oh, talking about your girl Nancy, she was really upset oh. and opposes banning Congress members from owning individual stocks, stating we're a free market economy, Mister Breedwell. What do you have to say to that? I think that that is not untrue. We are a free market economy. With that being said, there's rules and regulations on people who get insider information so that they don't front run the market, Ms. Pelosi. And I am under one of those scrutinies with my licensing. I know a lot of other people have other regulations that they have to follow. Why wouldn't an elected official have to follow a more stringent rule under the notion that you are, you know, Nash, you have a freaking security clearance level. Yep. Well, a perfect example was her husband going in. Palantir. Securing options oh, after dude. he knew a big tech, they basically did, congressionally what they were going to do. Before the freaking market crash. And he made, not only did he sell it off, but they profited the whole way down too. It, the, the thing that is, it's so obvious and if it isn't even more obvious by her coming out and saying she doesn't like it. Yeah. I mean, after how, she moved to her beachfront house in how, Florida, I found out the Florida house thing isn't real. Oh, it's, it's not, not real. I, I did some digging. That is not real. There's no house in Florida. I wish I could tell you that story Interesting. and, and find it out. There's a lot of news headlines that popped up. I also found out that's not real. I'll get back to the story. Fact check. Mr. Mr. Breedwell, Breedwell always telling the truth. Yep. when The truth is known, but the uh the 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 facts do stand she absolutely does insider trading guys it's not possible to make the returns that she makes well, without insider information and it, and it's got to be on both it's sides not. of the aisle right it is it's oh. not just it's just not Republicans it's not just are doing pelosi it too. and the le- one did, you know the, the left one, yeah there's like three other republican senators that did i'm not saying it's just pelosi yeah she just is the biggest bald when she does it because they, she still files everything she does. She just knows she ain't going to get caught. She's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I sold off all those stocks and bought puts. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, just she's, she's bold face cause she knows that nothing is going to happen about it. And that's, that is, that's wrong. Elected officials and her capacity and hire should not be allowed to buy individual stocks. They should be allowed to only own mutual funds and exchange traded fund products and the best part about it is there's freaking active etfs we have them we're they're available to clients me and you own them in some of our investments there's ways to have active management but a little bit more of a buffer so there's some transparency you can't pick and choose what goes in the etf yeah so 
that does need to go into effect. And if Nancy doesn't think that, that's you know corruption at the at the highest level at its best. And if you no, if you don't think that, you're wrong. This last week, the Fed uh, came out. Papa Powell gave a very extensive briefing around mm-hmm. what the Fed is going to be doing. Right, at least coming out saying that there's going to be two to three rate hikes in 2022. Yep. We're at about what three one right now ish. Or what? He he noted that we should see interest rates up towards the three seven range potentially by the end of next year. Say this time next year. Well, interest rates are at zero to point two five right now. So if that happened, that would be holy hell in a handbasket. Uh, I think sure that I'm... I think that they're going to try to get rates to three quarters of one percent by the end of next year, and then to one point seven in 2023 from what i am uh, understanding i'm going off of uh national association of realtors lawrence yoon forecast mortgage rates to oh those, av- are, those are mortgage rates. Yeah, yeah, yeah i'm talking not about the 10-year treasury I, no i'm just talking about interest rates oh yeah, like yeah. the the interest when they say raising interest rates that rate is at zero to a quarter percent right now Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So... Just for an example, guys, if uh, they did raise interest rates to 3%, oh, yeah, we're going down, yeah, yeah, yeah. down. <laughs> no, so that na- would be really bad. NAR forecast mortgage rates to average 3.2% in December and reach 3.7% by the same uh, time agree. next year. I agree with that. And that's because, and look at, that's about a 70 basis point jump. That would go right in line with about a 50 basis point jump on the... Yep. Um, so the Fed said they're going to double taper rate to $30 billion a month, um, which basically, right, just kind of signals the beginning of this interest rate increase. So the 10-year Treasury yield rose to 1.47 after the Fed announced its new strategies. Amid fast-rising inflation, the Fed will raise interest rates three times in the next year in order to control elevated inflation, starting likely in mid-2020. So they're at least kind of throwing 
uh, a time frame in there that, hey, you know, Q1 leading into Q2, maybe into Q3, we're going to start seeing those, um, you know, increases. When the Fed increases its interest rates, banks do too. Yep. And when that happens, mortgage rates go up for borrowers. Moreover, the Fed decided to accelerate the pace at which it is cutting back its bond purchases and mortgage-backed securities, likely ending them by March. This means that consumer mortgages that are currently sold to Fannie and Freddie will need to find other buyers. This will also move up rates. Thus, expect mortgage rates to rise in the following months, which they've obviously said they forecasted it getting still up to- cheap money. Still, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just don't forget where interest rates were three years ago, guys. I mean, literally, they were in the- Fed was at like one, one and a quarter, one five. So interest rates were in the, in the fours and people were happy. My first, my first interest rate on my home, was 4.49%. Yeah, we've gotten a little spoiled, right? Over the last decade after the, you know, financial crisis of 2008. It wasn't that bad. You know, people really... You just got to make sure your home's appreciating by more than your interest rate on your freaking... I mean, it's that simple, guys. So talk about this, you know, the the debt ceiling. That That's something that a lot of people seem to be at least talking about, you know, it'll soon rise at least. And let me uh, share this where, where it's going to, so debt ceiling will soon rise to 31.4 trillion. That's almost 90,000 per person or 360,000 per family of four. You know, basically what people are saying is like, how many American families have their share, right? How many American families have $360,000 in solvency or, or, or assets or, you know, net worth in general, basically stating that the debt is unpayable um, only through, you know, if you did it through taxation, I know you got your years, but basically, right. Like that's something that we're insolvent is, is the argument that people are making. Well, I'm i I'm going to take everybody to church. I get asked this all the time. I don't talk about it very much. Cause it's Can like, I get a- amen. Um, the debt. So I got, um, how do I say this? I'll just tell you this. Y'all have to just ignore the debt ceiling. It literally doesn't matter. And I'll also tell you another fact. Our debt will never be paid off, and it's not possible to pay it off. Here we go. How money works with Ryan Breedwell. <laughs> so there's like 130-ish trillion dollars in supply in the world. But like, only about four trillion of that hundred and thirty trillion is in physical money. The rest is just ledger balances, meaning digitized, essentially like cryptocurrency. It's not. It's just on ledgers. And what happens is when a government creates more money, they have to issue debt to create that money. Debt is not issued at zero interest rate. Right. It's, it's issued at an interest rate so that a borrower can then make money by, taking, by lending money towards that debt. Because of that metric, it's not possible to ever pay off any of our debt or any of the debt in the world. It's supposed to work like that. That's why costs of goods and services continually go up because there's more and more and more and more and more and more money to pay for them. So they move in tandem. It's okay. It's supposed to work this way. It's it's actually okay. Now the thing what the debt ceiling, we're I mean I've talked about this before. We're literally like the last country in the United in the United States. God, that was gonna sound stupid. 
in the world that's developed that has a debt ceiling. A debt ceiling is like at the bottom of your social security statement that your parents get or that some of our listeners get that says, oh, the old age survivor fund is going to go broke in 2037. Bullshit it is. It's not. Guess what they're going to do? Just like when the uh, disability fund was going broke in 2015, they're just going to stroke 300 fucking billion dollars and put it right in there. Yep. Ain't nothing going to go broke. But so it's just, I, I, I just want to educate people. You have to find somebody like me and listen to them or ignore headline news. Headline news is not to be followed. It's to be entertained by, which mm. is exactly what it is. What could break our currency system? Nothing. I know it sounds like so stupid for me to say that, but it's just nothing. We're the world, we back the world, we're the world reserve currency, the US dollar. Um, there's too much power tied up into controlling that and the, and the powers that be have it. And it's okay that they do because they want to make money and we're going to make money with them and they're going to make more, but we're still going to make money and the life will go on. What about China and Russia? They're not, they're, problem with them is they're they're really not very wealthy countries russia especially not being very wealthy um but they just use but they do have power right to a degree but more so like uh like a bully has power but almost like if you can remember like a cartoon they're like a fat kid bully they're not like a in shape fucking (laughs) you know joe bully gi joe best hair bully they're like the fat kid that eats everybody's lunch and nobody likes but everybody doesn't really want to talk crap to and you know we're 10 15 plus years ahead of china who's the biggest you know rival to us our issue is uh, mainly that russia and china both don't like us they don't really necessarily love each other but the enemy of your enemy is your friend and Mm -hmm. ultimately they both know that they can't take down the united states maybe together they can take down the united states um we are still just such a big superpower from a military standpoint and a financial standpoint that we can still, we, we rule the world. It's not, a, not even a question. Um, just look at how much money we spend on our military. I mean, that's like our military spending would topple the whole spending on everything for China. And that's just what we spend on our military. So people just don't have perspective on things. And we're just so much bigger uh, to give you guys an example, China's like Rhode Island, and we're like the other 49 states. And literally, that's could Rhode Island cause some mayhem? No doubt, especially when they have some nukes. <laughs> that, yeah. That's kind of the, the biggest thing is we have MAD, mutually assured destruction with those uh, countries. They have the equivalency of, of military power to cause damage that would be mutually assured on both sides. Um, so nowadays, the way they fight wars is with proxies um, mm-hmm. doing the uh, hacks and stuff, and then with um, political niche. You know, oh, we're not going to go to the Olympics this snub year. You know, so that's I, I don't know if we'll fight wars or see wars fought the same way that we've seen in the past, unless things get really crazy. But I'm not terribly worried about Russia and China right now. I think that they're having, especially Russia. Um, Currently, a lot of the citizens that were like really big propagandists on side of Putin are starting to turn on him because they don't appreciate the COVID protocols that have been going on there. So that's starting to happen. Um, and eventually, all the all those big you know dictator style um, regimes fall. So that's my opinion on them. Giving you guys an update 
on crypto market, Bitcoin currently at 47, around 46,000. Ethereum dropped down to 3,800. This week, Fed issued stark Bitcoin revolution warning amid sharp decline in the price of Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies. What'd you take away from that? Um, it was, uh, that's the first article that I've seen by somebody who likes cryptocurrencies that has been a very big uh, proponent for them. A uh, professor at Cornell University wrote a book on how cryptocurrencies are going to be revolutionizing the future. And essentially, finally, somebody, I mean, in more tactful and fancy ways, said what I've been saying. Bitcoin doesn't scale well. Bitcoin is not environmentally uh, sustainable. And other cryptocurrencies have come along that have improved upon what was the original idea which I also knew was going to happen. This is not Tesla. Very rare you get a Tesla, a company that's so innovative that they think so far beyond their peers. They're really not replicable. Uh, Palantir being another company like that. They have something so special, so unicorn-like, you can't replicate. There's one Elon Musk, and there only will be, just like there's one Warren Buffett. Do not be fooled that Berkshire Hathaway will not be Berkshire Hathaway without Warren Buffett. It is, it's that because he is who he is. Same with Tesla. Um, they're just prolific leaders, mm-hmm. I would argue. Um, the, gosh, where was I going? Sorry, I started talking about Tesla and I went off a, <laughs> I went off a deep end. Just talking the, about the revolution of how cryptocurrency. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, sorry, there we go. Where I was going with it was, though, it's, he also said that blockchain, uh, Bitcoin's blockchain is just not good. It's, it's really slow. It's, it's the, the now, you know, proof of, proof, of, uh, proof of stake or the consensus algorithms that they're looking to do just are not in line with what Bitcoin was saying. He also said that Bitcoin would likely go, its existence would come to nothing, which I've also said. He did say that Ethereum tokens and decentralized finance those definitely have a way to help change. But ultimately what has happened with cryptocurrency is it's just reminded central banks right. that they just need to digitize their currencies. And so ultimately that's, that's what's going on right now. That's what's going to happen. And that's likely going to kill almost all cryptocurrencies. And then the ones, um, I'll say cryptos because cryptocurrencies are actually like a, a subdivision of crypto. So crypto, um, it's going to probably kill almost all of it, even the stuff that I own. And then the ones that have kind of the Teslas and the Palantirs, which who knows what those are right now? Nobody does. Those will stick around and they'll help, you know, facilitate like Zelle, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, MoneyGram or stuff like that. They'll help facilitate an already existing system that just got improved. Yep. He said it lit a fire under central banks to start thinking about issuing digital versions of their own currencies. Yeah. And I think right. that, that... And if they do that, right, if, if somebody already has a significant amount of market share and there's somebody else who's trying to fuck with them and, and you know, come into their territory, to me, it kind of reminds me of, like, I think of The Wire, you yep. know, the drug dealers that are on two corners and one drug dealer has, you know... 10 blocks and the other drug dealer has one little corner and he starts encroaching on the other dude's, you know, territory. What do you think happens to little guy? Corner get taken. Little guy gets his corner taken because nobody likes their monopoly getting, you know, encroached. Upon. Yeah. 
I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's essentially what banks are, right? That's we'll like, play that sound clip of me originally saying that Bitcoin will never be a good investment one day. We will. Um, well, I think all, all we have to do is go back through one episode because you say it in pretty much every single one. Yeah. It's uh, I'm telling you guys, do your due diligence. I am not here to say that you haven't made money in Bitcoin. So don't get mad at me when you've, you've made money and I'm saying this, but I am telling you right now, you should take those profits and reallocate them elsewhere unless it's purely speculative and you literally don't care about losing that money. But I would say, I mean, I would care about losing 30, 40 grand. I would. I would care about it. So it'll be really interesting to see how uh, this plays out. When do, when do they think they're going to... Next year. When are we going to start seeing next this year. digitization? Next year. So when you say next year, we talk in like... Q3, probably. Okay, so towards the latter end of next year. Because they've been talking about it for a little while, but... They're kind of letting they've the been COVID get, thing pass yeah. first. And, so and, and it's, been, it's been an interesting year in cryptocurrency as it well. Is. So I'm curious if they're letting more people kind of get like excited about it just to be like, bam, and bring the hammer down, you know, to kind of still show case the power that yeah. central banks, the Fed, really have over yeah. anybody that wants to kind of come play in their sandbox. I think that what I've been saying in some way, shape, or form is going to start rolling out within the next six to eight months. And everybody should be prepared for that. And just like with any investment, speculative or not, you should be ready to lose it all. Well, I'm going to give you guys a wrap up on, for all my real estate investors out there that are looking, whether you're looking to relocate or you're looking to invest yeah, in some, some new markets, <laughs> there are a National Association of Realtors who always has great reporting, great data across the country. They came out with um, last Friday, a study on the top 10 hidden gems of the housing market in 2022. Mm. So we're going to go over what those, uh, you will patience, my brother, patience. We've got, uh, 10 markets that really have been identified as gem markets. Now, what is a gem market? They considered a market, a hidden gem. If it's median home price, to median family income ratio is at the lower end of distribution of the 379 metros across the country that were relative um, to the distribution of a combined set of seven indicators that drive housing demand and supply. You guys have heard me talk about this over and over and over again, right? Of like, at the end of the day, if you want to just focus on two things that will drive your housing market and give you a little bit of a crystal ball, it's going to be supply inventory and demand, right? Days on market and absorption rate, how quickly those get absorbed into the market from buyers. So the collective seven uh, pieces of data that they were you know, taking into account was three-year wage growth. So average, uh, average weekly wage, three-year job growth, non-farm payroll employment, ratio of the three-year change in population, to the sum of housing permits over a three-year period. Wow. Three-year population growth, net domestic migration as a percentage of population, percentage of population 25 to 44 years old, which is usually going to be your, your largest uh, pool of, yeah. of spending power, 
and then percent of household with broadband service. I thought that was an interesting <laughs> data point, right? Like, service. they better have access to internet, man. Um, so the top 10, this is in alphabetical order, not in uh, any other order of importance. Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Sweet. Daphne, Fairhope, Fairley, Alabama. That's the name of the town? Daphne, Fairhope, it, it, Fairley? No, it's more of like, those are a couple towns. Oh, I was Collectively like, in a wow. county. Wow. Fayetteville. Springdale, oh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. We got an office out there. What up? Rogers, Arkansas, Missouri. Uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Knoxville, Tennessee. Palm Bay, Melbourne, Titusville in Florida. Pensacola, Ferry, um, and Pass Brent in Florida. San Antonio, New Braunfels in Texas. Wow, New Braunfels is literally mainly just a water park. Yeah. It's I've, I've on the come up. Just I've never seen a bigger water park in my life. Spartanburg, South Carolina, and Tucson, Arizona. Those are your Tucson, Tucson, Arizona. Those are your top ten hidden gems of the housing market in 2022. I, I at least from what I'm taking away from this, these are good long term cash oh, flow yeah. investing markets. Fayetteville is nice. A lot of these are going to be either strong. That's, that that's up there. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually surprised Dallas Fort Worth was was up so there. DFW's been a little I bit thought, like frothy for a while. Well, maybe like when we have an office space out in Hutto, which is a suburb of Dallas Fort Worth area. I think that that area has a lot of You've heard it first. There's Gem 11, Hutto, Texas. But no, there's a, not Hutto, Texas. Uh, excuse me. Um, gosh, Plano, Plano, Texas. Not Hutto. Hutto's outside of Austin. Jeez. Um, wow, that's interesting. Yep. There was it, how, how many? There's no blue states. I don't think you named any blue states. Did no, you? I mean Wait, t- Tucson. I mean Arizona's full red, blue. Yeah, it's it's red though. That's interesting. So it was. Um, at least very interesting with that collective data to look at, hey, if you guys are looking for potentially some markets to take a look at, whether that's for multifamily, whether that's for flipping or wholesaling, there's some upside that's been identified in the data for some of these markets. And if you're you know, looking to diversify some of your assets and hold long-term, you know, we talked about it last week, kind of like the idea of dollar cost averaging with your real estate investment buys, right? You might feel like you're buying at a, in a, in a real, if your market is really frothy and it mm-hmm. feels like it's peaking out, right? You might be able to, you know, go in and buy at a little bit lower of uh, the discount before hitting a peak, being that data still shows that some of these markets have not peaked out, still have some upside. Yeah. So something to take a look at, guys. With that being said... Uh, I want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. We will be back with you guys next week, of course, with some updates, talking about um, some New Year's stuff, kicking things off. And, you know, one of the things that I know many of you are doing right now is you're doing goal planning. You're doing, you know, your uh, year-end reflections. You're thinking about how you want to crush 2022. And, you know, one of the things that I have been thinking about for myself is really right continuing to take what is spreading you thin and reevaluating if it really is aligned with a plan that is truly a stepping stone to getting you to where you want to go because if you're spread across too many different things 
that you're trying to own and take, you know, full active kind of management of, those things are only going to get fractional pieces of your best. Mm -hmm. And so one of my favorite, you know, kind of just simple lines is like obsessions become possessions. And so really like make sure you are obsessing over the right things in your life. I see a lot of people that are doing comparison. They're jealous. They're envious of other people's success, you know, or they're, you know, looking at things and spending their time on things that ultimately aren't going to add any value. They're not going to get you anywhere Anywhere. further to where you want to go any faster. So like really looking at am is what I'm spending my time on is what I'm, whether that's like your mental time, whether that's your physical time, how you're spending your time, making it on the things that are really aligned with your North Star, with the things that you really want to accomplish, with the relationships and the people you really want to be surrounded by, with the experiences, the wisdom, the education, you know, that you really want to gain. And and that you, by narrowing that scope and that focus, are going to see exponential growth by letting some of those other things go as hard as that may be. I'll Mm -hmm. give you an example. I get so many people that message me every day wanting my planner. (laughs) And I'm like, I would love to give this planner to so many people. But in terms of where I'm going and what I'm doing and what I want to accomplish, this planner would be a drag on me. doesn't mean that it's not something that may be justifiably worth my time, but based on what I really need to be dedicating myself to, I can't go and, you know, sell 10,000 planners at, you know, a $10 profit margin when I've got an opportunity that is exponentially bigger. And so you have to ask yourself sometimes like, it's okay to let some of these things go to take a five lane freeway down to a fast lane. That's going to give you the ability to put the pedal to the metal, to put all your energy and resources into things that really matter. So get obsessed over the things you really want to possess this next year and be honest and real with yourself of the things that are distractions that you have to let yourself, you know, let go of, whether those are relationships, whether those are routines, whether those are habits, whether that's switching up your physical environment, you know, who you're spending your time with, what you're spending your time on, be honest, be real with yourself. And, you know, if you need to consult with people, right, to help give you a better idea of whether that's your financial plan, then you get a free financial x-ray, text the word x-ray to Mm 844-447-1555 and connect with someone like Ryan. If you are an accredited investor, you want to know more about passive income investing opportunities, right? And you want to know more about syndications, text the word deals and get on my uh, syndication list and we can connect about those opportunities. You want to learn more about crypto? Lean into a crypto expert. You want to learn more about metaverse or NFTs? Go find somebody else. But make sure that whatever it is that you're spending your time on is going to be something that really moves the needle forward and is worthwhile and is a possession that you really want to have in your life. Amen. With that being said, guys, we love y'all. Shoot us a text. 844-447-1555 if you haven't set what up. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you enjoy listening to the show on. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. See y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to 
the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.